Ken, I just want you to take a deep breath and tell me what are your opinions on chickens? Okay, well, you have to specify. Do you mean live chickens or dead chickens? I mean, some of each in this movie. Okay, well, dead chickens I have no problem with. Uh, I love them. I can do many things with them. I I, uh, I made chicken uh, marsala the other night. That's Beautiful. how good I am. Yep, you can't do that with a live chicken. But live chickens I hate because my uh, grandparents had a farm. Oh, then and, you know that they're evil. Yes, they are. We go down there, us dump city kids, and like, oh, let's pet the chicken or whatever, no, which no, sounds no. like sounds like a euphemism, but it's not. Uh, but yeah, it's, we go down there and play with these chickens, and they would turn around and attack us. And I, you know, hated them. And my greatest day was the first time I ever had chicken and dumplings at my grandmother's house. Uh, we're sitting there chomping down, eating. It was delicious. It was great. She's a great cook. I'm like, wow, I got this chicken. Like, I'm trying to figure out where she got the chicken from. And then we talk and realize she had went out in the backyard and just did the old spin around, snap the neck, chop them, pluck them, and eat them. Stuff. Nice. Like, wow. And you were like, I win. I won. I, I won the battle of chickens. So yeah, I have a I have a love hate relationship with chickens. kid uh i grew up next to some neighbors who raised chickens and they uh, uh i would sit and watch them when i was depressed about how junior high school students treated each other and it made me much more depressed chickens <laughs> spend their whole lives just looking for something to hate and destroy <laughs> and they have no right to be that arrogant that's right. They have no they right. They're little. They have no arms. Their the upper body strength is weak. Uh, you know, I, I could kick a chicken's ass if I really wanted yeah, to. They're gross. You know? I don't like yeah. them. But so I eat they're, them. They're, they're t completely delicious. That's their use. That's it. They are the arrogant assholes of the barnyard. Agreed. So <laughs> why okay. are we discussing this? <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a beginning. See, right now we're going to stop and we start the show. <laughs> okay. All right. Boom. Music plan. We're talking, and never we're done. And now, okay, we welcome people back. So we're welcoming back. It's another uh, episode of uh, Well, that was something. A uh, podcast about strange movies, not necessarily bad movies, not necessarily good strange movies. Just movies that where the directors said, you know what, I'm going to do something different. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I don't care. Uh, and that's what we're talking about. And we're here with Angela Sawyer, the co-host, guest. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. All right, that's good to hear, especially on everybody's on lockdown and uh, everyone's in the house and stuff. Why not? Everybody's all cooped up. 
See how to work that in there? That's pretty clever. Nice work. Yeah, nice work. I know. Yeah, I'm a master so of puns. All of us agree that chickens are very bad animals, which is good. That's that to me. That tells me that you're a smart person. That you don't like chickens. Yeah, no chickens. No chickens are rotten. Chickens are. I, I would take a cat over a chicken any day. And any you know day. my feelings about cats. You know, that's but high praise for a cat. I don't think I'm so mad at chickens that I would murder someone. <laughs> well, it depends on who the person is. I mean, because they. You know, it somebody seems misguided. Can... Just murder the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> they could be using the chicken for nefarious ends. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't trust a person that loves a chicken. I don't. I don't. It's so, true. yeah, they could be up to bad stuff. I mean, they have chicken fight. They have cock fights. All those are roosters, actually, though, right? They're not really yeah, uh, chickens. Yeah, that's true. Okay. I, don't well, know what we... I don't know which one we eat. I assume we eat. Well, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a regular chicken, but but yeah. the cockfight the cockfight roosters are related, and they're actually the cause of chickens. If my anatomy lessons are uh, biology lessons are correct, so I hate them too. Reasonable. Yeah, so I hate them too as well. So why are we talking about chickens? Because we're talking about a movie that you picked out. <laughs> I did. This is a movie I really like. It's called La Morte Ha Fatto L'Uovo, which means it, uh, it's an Italian movie. And in English, they call it "death light an egg," which I think is pretty straight uh, tr as translation. Yeah, I like I like how the the Italian version sounds so much nicer. Like, doesn't it sound do it. much more mysterious? Yes, and "death light an egg" sounds like death made a big mistake. Like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a uh, yeah, Italian movie, obviously, uh, in subtitles that we watched over was it Amazon on demand. Um, and uh, it's a, well, the description of it, it's a 1968, oh, another Italian word I can't pronounce, uh, Giallo. 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 See, there you go. Pretty good. I'm going to let you tell about it. Um, sure. Yeah, it's a Giallo film. Uh, go ahead and, what do you know about it? Go, so, go uh, Giallo films, um, many people know about them, but if you don't, it uh, the word means yellow. It basically means pulp films, like B-movies. Uh, but in Italy... Uh, comics and books that came out that were uh, B-class or pulp, that w like we would call them, were just called yellow. And so that's the name of the genre of movies. It basically just means they didn't have a huge budget and they didn't care if they showed lots of blood in the movie. Um, and uh, it's a great genre of movies. The soundtracks are well-known and completely amazing. <laughs> we have uh, to talk I mean, about that later. I, I, I plan on dropping in some examples of this uh, soundtrack. We might differ a little bit. I, I know you're more of an avant-garde taste in music. Me, I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm too stick in the mud, old-fashioned. Give me a good Sousa march and I'm happy. Um, <laughs> but go ahead, finish. I will talk about the music later. We'll on. talk about the music later. I have lots to say about that. But anyway, this film was directed by uh, Giulio Questi, who didn't really direct much else. And uh, it's. Starred... I wonder why. Yeah, it stars <laughs> Gina Lola Brigida and John Luis. I don't know how to pronounce John Luis's last name, Trintigant. Um, Something like that. He's, Close you'd enough. know his face. You'd know both her faces. Uh, yep. Gina Lola Brigida was the poor man Sophia Loren, which she's actually a, a <laughs> much more accomplished actress than Sophia Loren. She's a, she's a knockoff uh, Sophia Loren. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that Sophia Loren is more famous, so yeah. that's how that works. <laughs> and uh, Jean Louis is in a bunch of like French and also uh, uh, English language movies and like French art movies that you would know. Maybe the most famous one he's in. Is called A Man and a Woman, which was a huge hit uh, at the end of the 60s, beginning of the 70s in the U.S. You still, 
Like, if you like old stuff, you have bumped right. into A Man and a Woman. The song exactly. is famous, the soundtrack's famous, the movie was a big hit out of nowhere. It's kind of... A Man and a Woman was like the the crossover movie from art movies to regular movies that happened. Right, exactly. There's a lot of lot of lot of ponderous looks, a lot of yeah. uh uh not you know uh, uh uh dialogue that some of that's in here too. Dialogue that, you know, tries to sound more impressive than in my opinion it actually is. But, you know, their observations on life are when you really analyze the phrase like, what are you talking about? No, that's that makes no sense. But yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of artsy stuff. So Death Light and Egg is a B slash art movie. Stars the guy from A Man and a Woman, the knockoff Sophia Loren, and this woman, Ewa Allen, who is mostly known for being in a softcore porn in the 60s called Candy. Yeah. Uh, and it, they're, it's a great cast, is what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, oh, yeah. Really, yeah. Everybody holds their own on the screen really, really well. And it's an interesting setup of people. Mm. Uh, because now, we, no, go ahead, go ahead. John Lee is very, he's a very serious actor and he looks very brooding at all moments. That's why he is hired to be an actor. Gina mm-hmm. Lollobrigida is an incredibly beautiful woman and also a really good actress who can be serious and change her mood on screen at will and be very like capricious. And Candy uh, earned her name she is like a bottle blonde you know she's just like a very blonde and very exactly. like oh, you, <laughs> what was that again was gonna... <laughs> that's a personality trait that's a bluff. Just noise. Uh, <laughs> all right. but you left out an important character in this movie or should i say characters uh yeah the chickens Chickens uh, everywhere in this movie. Sexy actors from the late sixties, and we're like, you know what they need is disgusting animals. <laughs> <laughs> we need, and not just one, not just two. We need like thousands of chickens, right? In um, in every scene, we can put them in if we can do it. We can, it's well, a very we can put them in the scene. Idea. I do under, I do feel like I understand what they're trying to do. Like actually putting these these actors and actresses in front of like box after box of white chickens is an interesting (laughs) visual you know it makes them look interesting it makes their skin look weird and it makes their hair look interesting and stuff like that i I lost it i that it was the opposite effect of me with the i kept looking at the chickens in the background yeah like wondering what what do they think is going on like these people are keep coming in here strange idea and the plot of the movie centers around how how uh, these are very wealthy people and supposedly all their wealth comes from these chickens which makes no <laughs> yes. sense no one has ever paid yeah. as much money as these people are supposed to have i, I read i read several uh like synopsis to make sure it a to make sure I, I, i'm not gonna be told i'm gonna be totally honest i don't know if i completely understood who was doing what at certain times that's fine but i read several synopsis of this movie and none were the same uh one so called uh, can be hard to follow yeah yeah because they um, do a lot of, like say the artsy cuts and you're like well wait jumping to this scene here this scene here is this related to this scene it's a little yeah i feel like i understood what was happening in this movie but it is like this movie would benefit it's this is very rare most movies you wouldn't say would benefit from just like a pass of cheap cgi but this is the exception that proves the rule like <laughs> just one 
chunk of CGI to put the blood in the places that it's supposed to be so that people's face reactions would make yes. sense. Exactly. And this movie all... You know what's happening because if you've seen a ton of movies, you know like when the camera zooms in, oh, we're spo- this is supposed to be an emotional <laughs> reaction. This is important. And the, ca- edit. <laughs> and, the cam- and the camera does some other weird uh, zooms that I'll talk about in a minute too that I'm like, what was that for? Or yeah. I, mean, I know what that was for, but anyway. yeah. So uh, I don't think it's a spoiler to tell you what I think the plot is very specifically because it's actually kind of hard to figure out unless you say so. Okay, give give me the elevator version of Spock. We're gonna go okay. sing through the whole movie. So, go ahead. Uh, let me get. So, Marco is a man who might be a murderer, and he is married to Anna, who from whom all the she's the owner of the chicken farm, and she's the rich one. Nobody else has any money. Marco and Anna live in a mansion next to the chickens with Anna's cousin Gabri, who is super cute, and. Uh, Marco wants to have an affair with Gabri, but she's holding him off, and he thinks that she's cheating on him with this other young man. And as Anna finds out that Marco isn't faithful to her, and Marco finds out that Gabri isn't faithful to him, slowly we realize that Marco has wanted to kill his wife for some time, but has just been pretending and like psyching himself up by going to visit prostitutes at the local mm. high-end hotel. Interesting. <laughs> and then he finally gets up the guts and decides to kill her with the chicken farm. And he fails because that's, she's found out that she, that he's cheating. And so she goes to, to meet him as one of the prostitutes. She goes undercover as a prostitute to meet him and tell him that she knows what's going on. And then she gets murdered. And then we don't know who murdered her, but it wasn't Marco. And then it all wraps up very neatly when the police are just like, well, somebody got murdered here. We're arresting everyone. Okay. <laughs> well, see, well, well, that's the end of the podcast. Uh, there's the movie. So, we, no. <laughs> no, there are details within that. But, yes, that is a summation of it. Uh, and I'm close to you on that, um, except I, must, uh, I guess that uh, Gabri is Anna's cousin. We'll get into that, too. I don't, I'm yeah, assuming. sister, cousin, some, yeah. some relation. Exactly. And then I don't know how she knows this other guy that pops up. Like they just somehow know each other or. Yeah, I think he's at first I thought he might be a policeman, but I think he's just in it to get money. Yeah. Like at the end, he just starts ignoring the girl. (laughs) It seems like he was after the money the whole time. Okay. Well, let's go through it from the top and let the people figure out if we're right, if we're wrong, and we can discover the points of uh, confusion on my part. I need to be straightened out about uh, death laid in, it, laid in egg because I'm I laid many eggs thinking about this movie. Uh, anyway, the opening scene. That's the opening. Of the movie starts up. Movie starts up, and it's this opening montage, scientific montage of what embryos and cells and sperm cell cells, and I, I'm assuming is chicken eggs, but maybe it's a human. Right, uh, we this, all this... come from eggs. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Get it? We're all the same. Humans, chickens, and there's all this stuff floating around. And it looks similar, whatever, and it. But we mentioned the musical score in the back. That's going on behind it, and you you describe it. Uh, if you, I'll, I'll describe it too, but you can describe it as well. Well, Bruno Moderna is uh, he's an Italian like avant classical composer. 
Uh, he has a record, like he works with uh, Earl Brown, Belle Bartok, Pierre Boulet, those guys, Ligeti, people like that. He's great. I like him a lot. Um, but uh, he is much like Gina is the poor man's Sophia. Bruno Moderna is the poor man's Luigi Nono. <laughs> Which means nothing to nobody except unless you already like avant-garde music. So it means something to guy, someone. Like at some point it became so common, like any Morcone became so successful that people who were making movies in Italy were just like, You're not busy. You know how pianos work. Why don't you give us a score? <laughs> <laughs> and so, does he ever? He uh <laughs> describe. I mean, well, I I Okay, here's my thing. I'm not gonna, Please. you know, it. It starts like the beginning with this, this this piano score, which is very, let's say, challenging uh, to <laughs> at least for me to appreciate. I'll say uh, it's it's yeah, I can tell what they're going for, and it goes well with the movie. But it was like like if you only thing I would describe was like if you take a, a possum. And you tie like a spatula to his tail, and then throw him inside a piano. Uh huh. It's close to that. Yes, it's that it's. About right. <laughs> close to that which i would like to see actually but but to my untrained uh musical ear yeah that would be uh close as i could think to it's very challenging it's very discordant it's very uh yeah but i've been weaned on like you know am radio so what do i know yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh that's totally fair it's i think of of bruno Berdurni. he's more traditional than somebody like nono or barrio uh because he mostly uses orchestral instruments that are played in interesting ways uh whereas luigi nono is more famous for using tape recorders and processing orchestral instruments things like that um but he's fun uh and uh he's on lots of classic compilations <laughs> of uh avant-garde music from the 60s and 70s and uh, he does a great job. Basically, it sounds like somebody put a harpsichord through a blender. That's his thing. <laughs> All right. So if you're listening to this, you can be on, uh, wait, what are the two composers we're talking about? Bruno? Moderna. And the other one? The more famous one is Luigi Nono. Okay. So you're team Bruno or team uh, Louis. Uh, <laughs> let us know. I don't know. I have yeah, no I, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you have to be on, on opposite teams for those guys. <laughs> No, I want to fight. I want to see an actual fight. If you like one of those guys, you'll probably also like like Luciana Mario. Like you'll like them all. Oh my goodness, you are you are into this stuff. Okay, all right. I do like that stuff. I like that stuff way more than most people. So you don't have to care about that stuff to care about your play. All right. Uh, So yeah, we go press opening montage of all the stock footage of uh, fertilized eggs, and we get an opening shot as a guy in a hotel room who's primping in the mirror. And you cut and you see a woman wearing skimpy underwear looking out of this hotel room window, just staring out. Then they cut to a third guy somewhere else who's apparently trying to listen to somebody in another room. I'm assuming it's the other couple. Uh, again, it's the cuts. So you don't know what you It's sort of like a, um, uh, um, what's the movie? Uh, um, got a uh, boy, Salvador Dali movie. What's the, 
Uh, uh, I don't know what Salvador Dali movie you mean, but it's uh, it's very Argento to me. It's very oh, like really? this, that opening scene is the scene that makes it a classic Italian sixties uh, thriller. Uh, uh, I know what I mean. Like, what you Sorry, mean? she uh, she and Andalou in that. Oh 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 sure. Yeah, in that if you just because the scene cuts somewhere else does not necessarily mean the two are related. Yes. So I got that feeling right away. Just because they cut to a guy listening to a wall does not necessarily mean he was listening to the people you saw in the earlier scene. That's so fair. I kind of got that going on and stuff. So yeah, there's, yeah, it does. So, yeah. So it's a lot and of cutting. It's my... very, yeah, that classic, the Italian crime thriller, like there's lots of shots from, like shots that don't show people's faces and you kind of put together the action through like little glancing shots of things that are happening exactly. and lots of hands with gloves and uh, lots of uh, hot ladies, but like just their shoulder. Yep. That's <laughs> it. And they cut to, and there's lots of guys, well, at least one guy wearing a plastic bag over his head, which they cut to and they never really, I don't know who that is. Yeah, it's, a guy, have, it's a guy putting a plastic bag over his head, and later he's putting tape around the bottom of the plastic bag. I don't know what's going on there, but you never see him again uh, for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, there's lots of cutting shots here. We're at cameras shooting outside, watching traffic, boom, 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 back and forth. And it shows this man taking knives out of a suitcase. And you're like, uh-oh, something bad's happening here. Right, and, and a back- lady is squealing. Yes, exactly. And he's like, oh, something bad happening. And, and the guy listening to the wall, he gets on the bed, so he can listen even closer. And, you know, the couples, you know, they're going, something's going on in the other room. Then they cut, and the guy who's listening outside the wall, he's outside of the uh, room. And he's, he's actually climbed out of his window or something like that and walked over to their balcony and looking in the window. And you see the man with the knife and a woman screams or whatever. And it's like at the same room that she and Andalou thing I was talking about. Then uh, the guy with the knives leaves the hotel, gets to a car, and drives off. And they go past a lot of billboards that are selling things. I don't know what they are. It's all Italian, and the great musical score starts again. Uh, and we go back to the office. The man with the knives. Now he's back at his office, and we find out he's uh, with Senor Marco. Uh, his name is Marco. And his secretary told him the new machine has arrived from Belgium. And what kind of new machine is it? Well, we're gonna find out later. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very dumb machine. I love the invention of this machine. <laughs> <laughs> why is Belgium inventing it? Why is it coming from Belgium? Like, what's the. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's supposed to make Marco seem wealthy and accomplished and like he knows <laughs> he's the captain of industry and so on. But it just it doesn't quite add up that there would be a machine that does what comes next. <laughs> so the secretary tells his wife has called for him a couple of times. And he goes to his office to think. And in his office, he has, like I said, he works at a, you know, I don't know, what, what do you what do you describe where he works? Is it like a chicken consortium? What is it? I don't, yeah, it's, a, it's some sort it, it The movie posits that there is this huge industry, uh, like a, a multi- international industry of chicken farmers and that they all have really nice swank modern offices and they like all gather together and work on marketing together and the guy who's in charge is very wealthy and old and yells at everybody and uh none of that seems like it might be real <laughs> there's a lot of like fake modern art with chickens on it <laughs> yes that's what i was i was gonna bring into that it's a lot of they, they obviously want you to keep your mind on chickens 
Yeah. Like, because everywhere you go in this office, there is some picture or something related to chickens in everybody's office around somewhere. I would and love he, to know who made those pictures because they are very funny. They are. They're great. the one with the bones is one his office. He's sitting at the desk, and in the back, just just like these two like bones, but with a spine connected, and then two more. And you, <laughs> I figured out there were legs and like a chicken spine. Like, okay, I, I guess he has to know how chickens move to sell them and kill them. I don't know, uh, but yeah, it's just weird all through the movie and all through the background. A lot of places, it's weird chicken themed pictures paintings some are really cool some are just like what is that for uh so yeah they're really into chickens there so they go back we cut back to the huge chicken barracks which they run this is where i was confused uh i don't i couldn't figure out whether the husband and wife uh, marco and anna i couldn't figure yeah. out whether they did they own the chicken farm or okay. was the I can was answer that... this question because I've seen this movie like 10 times. Oh, my God. Good. <laughs> Go for so, it. So, Marco and Anna, at least at this stage of the movie, they own the chicken farm together. And okay. Marco's job as head of this big industrial chicken farm is partly to go meet up with the other big chicken farmers and, like, you know do inside sales with them and go to conferences and bullshit because in this world that we've made up uh chickens are important enough to have that happen <laughs> and I'm, I'm not saying that there are is no such thing as a chicken conference i'm sure there is i'm just sure that you don't have to wear an italian tie when you go to one i'm sure you shouldn't wear an italian tie you to chicken conference. I so, don't think that survive. Right. So yeah. they own the chicken farm together, but we find out later that Anna is the one who really owns everything and Marco doesn't have any money. Uh, uh, she comes from it. He's a and chicken gigolo. Just they have just fired all their employees yeah. in order to install a machine that automatically gets the eggs from the chickens, apparently. The the Belgian machine. Now wait, no, well, now here's a big okay, here's a big point. The big machine is to collect eggs. Maybe. Oh, oh maybe I got you. No, no, I got you. I, I got you. food too. It oh, okay, I got you. Chickens. It's like a machine that does everything you would do in a chicken farm. So, uh, you know, and of course, there there is no such mach machine, so they can't show it to you. <laughs> <laughs> they show a part of it, like a piece. Like you just mentioned, uh, that well, they just show a woman's shoulder. Well, they just show like the shoulder of this machine. Yeah, because you never see the whole thing. It does everything. It raises the chickens. It plays music to make them happy. It yep. knows what temperature to control the room at. So it, it raises whichever ones are supposed to be raised, get, gets eggs for you, and then whenever it's time to do such a thing, it turns the chickens into food. <laughs> and it also feeds them and takes care of them while they're alive. So, and <laughs> it, it, you know, it has that, the room that they constantly film in is a basically a barn where there are hundreds of chickens in little coops the same size, all in a big way. Uh, exactly. And and the workers have been replaced by this grand machine, chicken chicken machine that does everything and they're right. mad. So they're, they're, they're standing out plot where they're mad, yeah. They're just standing outside staring at them angrily. Like they broke a window. <laughs> <laughs> they right. they can't the move on. The part is that they only got like six workers. <laughs> <laughs> this machine, this huge industry, and but the workers that they fired is only like five people. <laughs> uh, so we go inside the big chicken uh, chateau, 
And uh, was it Anna, Marco, and Gabri are like running around taking pictures of each other, like goofing around in the chicken house. They're just like, you know, Anna, you know, Anna and her cousin, whatever, uh, is like they're holding up chicken to take pictures of them and they're going doing this weird stuff. I don't know what these pictures are for uh, to put on the wall. Obviously, put on the wall because everyone's house is full of chicken pictures, so they probably need more. That's fair, yeah. Exactly. But that also makes sense in terms of like in the 60s. There was this idea running around for a little while in movies, a trope in movies, where what people did when they were flirting was take pictures of each other. <laughs> and, and their whole movies made on their premise. And, and I've never seen anyone flirt that way in real life. <laughs> Maybe it's I'm just not sexy enough and that's happening like outside my purview. But in I've never had movies, that happen. Especially late 60s movies. It, you know, women wear short skirts with raincoats all the time, <laughs> and people flirt by taking really invasive photos of one another. <laughs> that was a grand time. No wonder Kodak is <laughs> is pissed off now. Too many selfies. Um, <laughs> okay, so they're doing all this stuff, taking these black and white, these artsy black and white chicken photos. And at one point, one of them, one of the women, I forgot which one, flips on a lever on the machine and starts grinding around the machine, starts grinding around. And then out of another tube, this stuff starts pouring out, which I assume some kind of chicken feed because it goes into the troughs, right? And right. the chickens start pecking at it. And they think this is hilarious. They just start laughing. And, uh, you know, I don't know if they're laughing at the, you know, the way they put people out of work or laughing at the way the chickens <laughs> eat. I don't know, but they think it's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> and while they're doing all this, they're like cavorting around and, and Anna is holding up this one skin dead chicken and a big wrench falls in the sky and almost like caves a skull in. And they wonder where it came from. And that's where they blame the workers and they've been, you know, made redundant by this uh, machine. And, you know, Marco says an accident and they start arguing and she's swinging the chicken around while they're arguing. So it's all this action right. going on. And yeah. one of the, in the montage of all of this, one of the frames shows Marco planting the wrench. So we know that Marco is, th is either thinking or has planned to kill Anna. Because, well, I'll let you figure that out. You, you can tell me later. I, I'm not exactly. I, I mean, obviously, he wants to go away with uh, Gabri, which comes yeah, up in the next scene. We'll find out. Killer for money, and he wants to date yeah. Gabri instead. Yeah. So they go to have tea, and they're looking at the photos, and he sees. You have to explain this too. He sees one of the photos of himself, and I, I thought it was because he wasn't sure who took it or how. Oh, is it him with the wrench? Probably. It's a photo. Yeah. Yeah, because he takes it, he slips it out of the pack, and he goes into this door to, like, tear it up. And, you know, on the other side of the door, like, you know, Anna comes up and, like, hey, what's going on? Come out. And I'll be out there in a second. And so, oh, by the way, a man came to see you earlier about a meeting and stuff. And it's kind of like a line they don't, you know, it's not elaborated or anything like that. Right. He's hiding in his office, and we know that someone saw him doing bad things at the hotel. So yep. uh, we think now that Marco is like suspecting everyone doesn't want a secret found out and is you know hiding a lot of things and doesn't want to be found out and he's afraid that this person might blackmail him who knows mm, exactly so, so now we cut later then the husband and wife Anna and Marco are in the bedroom talking about it, and a conversation turns to Gabri who are again I was I read different sources some said sisters some said cousins I'm like one one person wrote an IMDb a secretary, which I think that's completely wrong. Uh, right. but yeah, they go. I, 
it whatever what? she technically is it barely matters because yeah. the idea is they've been there in a little love triangle for who knows how long where i honestly many times when i've uh, watched this movie and i've forgotten what happened i always think that anna and gabri are going to get together but they don't instead <laughs> it's like anna is the wife and marco's having yep. a, a cheating with gabri and gabri's cheating on him and it's just a little like domino Weird. effect of who likes who <laughs> and they go on it, but they both want to, they go on this extended discussion of Gabby's body or whether, which is weird. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, and like he's trying <laughs> to play it off, but like, you know, and Anna's saying she has a nice body. She is so young and tender, which weird, but that's not unlike a um, uh, Popeye's chicken sandwich. So I'm assuming they tied <laughs> that in there. You know, it's delicious. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then she says she is untouched and shaped like wax. She's like a puppet you can play with, which is a line that comes back later. Um, I think, in my opinion, I saw that's totally fair. That yeah. also that reminds me, like, there's a bunch of uh, not very often seen Elizabeth Taylor movies where, and other movies of the mid '60s to mid '70s, where like the wife who is, you know, thirty two and a half, and so isn't as sexy anymore. Yeah, uh, <laughs> she's so old now. Right. Uh, the like they'll have this scene where she shows how knowledgeable she is about the world and about how sex works. And you realize that basically it's meant to show that the wool isn't going to be pulled over Anna's eyes. Yeah. Uh, she understands what's happening around her. She's not afraid of women like Gabri and Gabri might not be as smart as she is. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, so yeah, they go to sleep. There's some of that artful lighting that you described earlier, where you just see a shoulder, uh, you know, the uh, edge of a face, you know, a hand, you know, and they're like more this existential language. When they say, when somebody says, "We tumble into our dreams, so helpless and full of desire," and I'm like, "What?" I don't. I'm like, "I suppose you do. I suppose one does occasionally." And so, <laughs> so there's a cut to outside the window and the man from the hotel, they see him, he's walking around outside and Marco gets up just in time to see him drive off, but he doesn't really see him. So we don't know what's going on that, but he can't sleep. So he gets up and he walks past Gabri's room and she's not there. Her bed doesn't look like it's been touched, which, you know, now we figure out that she's probably going to see that guy. Uh, whose name we don't really know yet, but we'll find out. Uh, he goes looking at the chicken house, and you know, chase searching for, and there he is, this weird laughing. Uh, and he goes to a lab and knocks over some beakers with some liquidy stuff in it. And he's trying to clean it up and rub it off his hands, trying to wipe it off in his clothes. Uh, but then he goes back in the house and sees some car headlights pulling away. And the next morning, he's back in bed, and it, I, I couldn't figure out whether he was dreaming or did it, he'd actually go out there. Right. So Marco's yeah. confused and he's running around and he thinks he hears people having fun just out of his perceptive reach, but he yeah. can't be sure what's happening and he's definitely making an idiot of himself in the process. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and he wakes up, goes by Gabriel's room. She's not there. Bed is messed up and he comes outside and wife and Gabriel are out there. She said she had a headache, couldn't sleep, you know, oh, and she said something like, sometimes you think you can't sleep when you're dreaming. Which 
Okay, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, guess so that's nothing. We don't know what happened, and Marco isn't sure either. And they talk about this party they're going to have, and they're trying to debate whether it should be a mask party, should it be a no-mask party, oh, yeah. you know, who cares? You remember, uh, Eyes Wide Shut hasn't been filmed yet. So, yes. <laughs> so a, a so mask party is like a sexy prospect to these people. <laughs> like we're going to invent the mask party. Yeah. And, so, and then some really short guy will be in a movie about it. Um, <laughs> so, so he walks back to the chicken house again with some of that crazy piano music again we all love so well. Uh, he finds a scarf with some weird symbols on it that kind of plays into something, but not really. Uh, a sci- then while he's in there and checking out, the scientist comes in and wants to, and wants to know why the automatic music stimulator isn't working. <laughs> <laughs> like who turned off the the musical egg producer or whatever it is? I don't know. Right. Okay. So. <laughs> Basically, Marco is suspicious, <laughs> he's, and and people are also suspicious of him. Uh, but he's trying to figure out whether or not Gabri is cheating on him uh, and what she's up to in the middle of the night. Meanwhile, this uh, science guy shows up just to show how rich they are. Basically, <laughs> the machine is so impressive that it does a bunch of dumb stuff that no machine would ever do. And so there's beakers for no reason. Like, what the hell is the science guy investigating here? And they play music for the chickens, which that's never been a thing. Chickens are practically deaf. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get the music like the, it was supposed to stimulate their egg producing qualities or. Sure. But then they eat, yeah, I suppose. So it's yeah, okay. just to show how, like, you know, how much money and how tech, high tech their stuff is. And that's <laughs> a typical, you know, like, movie writing does that all the time, where they have, like, a magical <laughs> thing that they made up to show you how high tech it is so that you'll be impressed. And It's, it's just, the modern they, age. They just wrote it very badly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Franco Arcali and and the director Giulio Cesti are the guys who wrote it, and their only other film uh, is a spaghetti western. Uh, it's called I forgot what it's called. Oh, it's called Django Kill. If you live, shoot. <laughs> it was made the year before. It's also incomprehensible. It's great. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. <laughs> oh, all right. They cut. Okay, we cut to the pool where Gabri and Anna sit by the pool talking about the party and talking about the party they're going to have and who they're going to invite. And out of nowhere, Gabri says she invited the man who came to talk to Marco because, you know, why wouldn't you invite a complete stranger to a party? Hey, we're having a party tonight. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, so why don't you just show up, complete stranger, which, you know, I mean... I could see is just to be nice, but that would still raise a red flag. Why are you inviting some stranger you just met to our elaborate mask possibility of mask party? And now this is the weird thing I was talking about. So they're sitting by the pool, and, and Gabby is in the pool. And they're talking, having a conversation. She gets out the pool, and then she walks straight to the camera, crotch first, and just stands there for a few minutes. And the camera's, like, just right there. Like, Why they just, hired her? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, was, I would think the whole package so to speak would be why she, she walks right into the camera crotch right there just stand there for a few interesting seconds and she turns around and out of her butt a few minutes interesting second and it it's just you can't help but notice it it's like why why is this shot happening what is this shot for i can't see anything else in the frame 
Let Fuck it be said bro. that the cinematographer for this movie, Dario De Palma, uh, worked with uh, Sergio Cabucci, the great spaghetti western director, and also he's known for working with Lena Vertmuller, who did uh, a bunch of great, yeah. like uh, Italian dreams. Seven, seven beauties, basically. <laughs> yeah, seven beauties. Uh, what was yeah. the other one? Uh, the, the one on the, the island. He is really famous. The island one is great. I love the island yeah, one. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, swept, swept away. Swept away. It swept away. Yeah, that's a, a favorite of mine. Yep, that's an actor like that one too. Okay, well, he did a job on this scene then because yeah. it, it confused me right off the bat. Um, anyway, so they still have to go to the party. We cut to the office of, uh, what is it, Eggs Incorporated? I don't know what they call it. Luf? How do you say that's eggs? A name for it's it. Italian. It's Italian. Perfect. I forgot. Uh, yeah, and, and again, everything, they're heavy into eggs. Pictures everywhere, posters on the wall, chickens here and there, whatever. Uh, and then go into a room where discussing like chicken chicken futures, I guess, and they're writing all these figures on a board. And in the middle of this room is like a giant egg, so you don't forget the ultimate goal of what we're doing here. It's this giant egg in the middle of the floor. So <laughs> it's just okay, you know. Then guy comes in, tells Marco the president wants to see him. So cut back to the now he's cut back to the chicken lab. I think where the chicken scientist guy is pissed off because someone touched his experiment, which was Marco the other night knocking shit over trying to find right. uh, Gabri or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and Marco insists, you know, and the women say they had nothing to do with it. The scientist says they were radioactive isotopes, which were apparently just laying around. Uh, and they, they could kill the next brood of chickens, and I'm like, and humans too, if they're just laying out there, buddy. You can't just have like, you know, you got to lock that shit up at night. Uh, so you cut back to the meeting with the president, and he's pissed off. He, and he has a giant picture of a chicken behind him too, a giant elaborate painting of a chicken. I noticed all these throughout the movie, so I'm going to keep referencing these because my eyes kept wandering to those things. Uh, he said they're using outdated technology. They need to focus on marketing because that's what sells chickens, I guess, or whatever. Right. Uh, so he's bringing a new marketing expert, and it's a guy named Mon. What's his name now? Oh, Mon Mondiani. Yeah, Mondiani. So who is yeah, from the hotel? What's that? Surprise! Mondiani is our mysterious guy who <laughs> might be a blackmailer, and the guy who saw Marco maybe kill somebody. And the guy who is maybe running around with Gabri. <laughs> he has managed to insert himself so deep in this guy's life so quick that I don't know how he's able to do it. But now he's he's also the marketing genius. So how he got to be into marketing and meet Gabri and follow him to the hotel. Well, he's just that kind of guy. Uh, uh, My yeah. favorite part about this moment is that even though it was a really long time ago in 1968, Marketing was still fake then. Because <laughs> 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 he does pull off like some right ridiculous. Now, if you wanted to just pretend like you had a job that you didn't have, what would you tell people you did? You'd be like, I'm a brand influencer. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess who used to work in marketing and branding? Uh yeah, it was it's it's it it is just as ridiculous as you say it is. Uh yeah, because I, I you sat there. I used to be marketing, branding at this company here in Boston, and you would you'd sit there in these pitch meetings or the meeting with the clients and stuff like that, and they'd be all these ideas. You try to make it sound. But the bottom line was like I would spend like maybe 10, 15 minutes on like here's your infographic. It's done. They're like cool, thanks. Oh, it's great work. I'm like 
Yeah, dude, you didn't have to. We, we had a two hour meeting and it took me 15 minutes to like just hear some yep. ideas. Boom, done. Yep. So it's a all you all you kids, any kids out there listening, go into marketing branding because if you like BS, you love marketing and branding. Right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he meets a new, you know, Mondiani, who's the new marketing genius. Uh, and after that, he goes to a restaurant. We had to, he pulls that scarf out of his pocket. He's sitting in a restaurant. Marco pulls the scarf out of his pocket and look with the weird drawings on it, symbols or whatever. And then a car pulls up and Gabri gets out. And she comes in and like starts insulting everybody in the restaurant, like how ugly they are and horrible. And she's laughing at them and their hat and clothes, which I didn't get what that what that was for. Yeah, I, mean, we get I think it. that was supposed to make you realize that she is uh, ambitious or something like that. A terrible person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. She, we we get it. You're young and beautiful, and these old people are old, and they're be, they'll die soon. I get it. We we got it. Yeah. yeah. So. It's yeah, I think you're supposed to feel a lot of the scenes in this movie made sense to me because I had to watch the soap opera Dynasty when I was a child. <laughs> like, the moves that people were making, I was like, oh, this is like what they would do in Dynasty. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of like weird, vaguely rich ambition, but it's just fake. <laughs> it doesn't really go anywhere. And it's telegraphed really, really hard. Like, you know, they, they come as close to saying, I'm a horrible person without actually saying I'm a horrible person. Yeah, like, okay, yeah. we're going to give you every sign that I'm horrible. So, yeah. But she's doing that. She's laughing at everybody, whatever. Then they get in the car and go for a drive. And that's when I really, I mean, I knew they were going to have an affair, but they really isn't really more explicit then that he wants her to run away, you know, but she has, she doesn't like her, she, she has problems with it and stuff. And then she brings up the fact that we get to do it is because her parents died in a horrible accident. Okay. Which they show, which is like this dumb scene. Which oh, they, yeah, it's, that's it's, right. I forgot about that. That makes no sense. Yeah, it's, it's my parents. Like, oh, she's so fucked up because of this weird accident. But it's, it's like yeah. abstractly shot. It makes, this is the first of a couple of scenes. <laughs> that's what I meant when I said, like, if they had just splashed some red paint on the film, this would have made way more sense in the movie. What the, uh, what they did, they kept showing like the accents. So they show like the road, the highway. They show like a, a, a highway. Somebody's moving down there, show like a highway. And then they show an accident. And it's like this overturned car on fire. A guy laying face down on the highway. And then this woman with. A guy laying face down yeah, on the road. And then a woman like slowly stumbling toward a camera with just like 60s Holy blood. Face, and, yeah. But there's, yeah, six, there's no. Like, you don't see any actual injuries or anything, which is a thing yeah. that movies do all the time. <laughs> but you need to be careful about how you imply it because it's very obvious that they haven't completed that part of it. <laughs> so it's like, but they spend like a few minutes going back, high, fast highway road, car, man, woman, stumbling with blood. Highway road, car, man, woman, stumbling with blood. They go back and forth a couple of times just to drive that home that that's the accident, I guess. Which I couldn't, I guess the mother died, but it's just so this woman walking who I thought was Anna at first, but I don't, I don't get what's going no, on no, there. It's some random woman. And the funniest yeah. part of it is that normally if you spent that much time showing a horrific car accident in a movie, it would be to make the point that the character in the movie has psychological trauma. But Anna is happily driving a car right after this. 
<laughs> not at all. She has no problems at all. Uh, <laughs> so they go to a park and they get out to walk, discuss their chance of running away and what they can do. And like, hey, we can, he's like, we, we don't need money. We can make it on love or whatever. And she's right, like, she nope, we need, agree. she's like, no, we need money. That's it. You know. <laughs> You know, and they're, and they're going through a cornfield while they do this. They're like, it's just like this tall corn all around them. And oh, they're yeah, just having this. They're like lay down in the daisies kind of scene, except they couldn't find a meadow. So they just go to no. the cornfield. They did find daisies. And what happens? One one part. And uh, he asked, she asked like, okay, if we do leave and you have no money, what will we do? What are we going to eat? Grass? And then she leans her head back and takes a bite of a, of a flower behind her, like, it's tiny little, like, you know, dandelion-looking flower here, and she takes it and eats it. I don't know if you saw, remember that part, but look I at that do. again. She, I Yeah, do. she's lay, she's laying on her back in the grass, she's like, what are we going to eat? The grass? And she leans her head back and chomp, and then, you know, eats right. a flower. I'm like, okay. Well, you're supposed well, to think that this is because she's, like, some free spirit who's a little, yeah. you know, she's a manic pixie girl or whatever. Yep, yep. Uh, but honestly, I don't pretend to understand the motivations that hot people have so maybe they just do things like that yes eat flowers i guess it's, I mean, it's not it's not not nutritious so i guess i don't know um then it cuts a flat i think it's a flashback or the same time or something they showed up uh, marco is it anna and Mar no gabriel marco making out i guess or maybe it's anna, right. no, it's anna. And, and but it's a, i've noticed it's weird because they do weird stuff like Again, it's your artful, light on the shoulder scene. Uh, but also, they instead of just kissing, they like they he, they bump their lips together like several times, like boom, 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 boom which is weird. And then she bites his hand at one point. I'm like, I guess people like that stuff. I don't know. I don't get the. But they're just bumping lips at one point, and it's very weird. That's true. Yeah. Well, I think that's also. Uh... It's like that shows the skill of a lot of directors that they had to have, like in a, let's say in a Hitchcock movie when uh, Kim Novak is supposed to be like in the throes of passion, she can't stick her <laughs> tongue in anyone's face. Because, you know, that's, <laughs> that's true. That is true. That's true. Allowed, I mean, for whatever reasons. Yes, that's, that's true. Uh, so there's in American movies when that happens, there's a lot of like weird angling of your head between your shoulders so that you look like <laughs> you're very excited. And in Bollywood movies, that's when it rains and you just sort of breathe heavily <laughs> next to the person you're getting rained on with. And that's what they're trying to do here. And it just doesn't really work. There's just some nice blurry shots of people with their mouths open, like having their faces too close together. <laughs> <laughs> they had weird taste back then. I'm glad. Oh boy, uh, I'm glad I was a kid and I didn't, I didn't really realize what was going on then. I'd have been highly upset. Um, okay, so Marco gets dropped back off at his office after riding around with with uh, Gabri, and he sees a going past a store and he sees that that same weird scarf in the window. In fact, a bunch. It's a whole slew of weird scarves. And he looks through the window and like the woman who's working that folding scarf, she looks through the window and sees him. And then she leaves the store and he's following her for some reason. And she came down this weird smile like she knows he's following her uh, and just following her. And all of a sudden he gets cut off by uh, um, uh, Mondiani, I believe his name is. Right. Out of, he comes out, yeah, he comes out of nowhere and said they have to have a meeting on their marketing ideas. And the woman in the store is no more to be seen as far as I can tell. Yeah, it was just a scene. She's gone. <laughs> like had nothing to do with the movie. I don't know if that was a like 
Italian women let dudes stalk them <laughs> kind of thing, or if that was just yeah. like you, because at this point you're not sure whether Marco is a murderer or not. So yeah. maybe you think he's going to kill her, and she's thrilled uh, about that. You don't know. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that could be true. Yes, is the prospect of death is pretty uh, uh, <laughs> sexy. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Oh no, I don't, I'm gonna guess a whole different podcast. Um, so anyway, uh, Mondiani, I believe his name is, goes back to the, they go back to his office. He shows him all these great marketing ideas, which are frankly ridiculous. Uh, he showed him his marketing ideas consist of like he wants to show the chicken as a doctor, the oh, chicken yeah, those are, those as soldier, bad, bad marketing ideas, <laughs> the chicken as a public servant, the chicken as everyday man, a good friend. Why would you? How would you sell food? If you want people to think of it as a friend, as a person, <laughs> it is the dumb. And he has all these pictures, like different, like you know, modernistic drawings of chicken. That he has a Playboy chicken. He has the hedonistic chicken. I don't know what the point of this marketing campaign is. Like, how how does this sell chickens? How does this get people want to eat and buy buy and eat chickens? I have right. no idea. And at this point, it doesn't work. But later. When we see what is act, what the product of the terrible yeah. Belgian machine is, <laughs> we find out that actually uh, Mondaini's ideas are uh, in line with the company. You know, he's towing the company line. Like you're supposed to make chickens as friendly and as cute as possible, according to him, and uh, he's throwing 60s style on on top of that. Yeah. Uh, and Marco is having none of it. He's not into it. <laughs> it is bad campaign. I don't blame him for not having anything. It's a bad campaign. We're probably like showing people enjoying the taste of chicken, not you know going to the movies with a chicken. That's not going to work. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So back we cut now, and and the party is going to be going on at Anna and Marco's house, and there's all these guests there, and there's all they're all dressed up, all fancy, and everything. Uh, and you know, Mon Mondia. I'm going to screw his name up every time. It's hard to say. <laughs> Mondiani. <laughs> I, I'm, I could be, I've been calling in my notes. I kept calling him hotel guy. So that's hotel gonna, guy. <laughs> that's hotel guy because <laughs> he was the guy in the hotel. Well, yeah. Um, he comes up with that for this great game, the partner exchange game or something. To tell, I don't know what he called. It. I don't know what um, I swap right. whatever it is. The game game. Guy, he reinvents the mo- this the game seven minutes in heaven. Yes, <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. Uh, he tells everyone like clear out one room in Anna and Marco's house. Take every stick of furniture out of the room to bear every picture off the wall. Everybody crowds around. They're all giddy. Like, oh, what a wonderful party idea! Right. <laughs> yeah. Because we know that this is where Marco. It's Marco's office, so this is where he hid. Mm. The evidence of him uh, trying to kill his wife with the photo of the wrench. This is where mm-hmm. we assume he keeps all of his murder secrets. So mm-hmm. the fact that the guy who we think knows that he's a murderer is having all these strangers go take apart all his furniture is unnerving, sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Now, see, that I didn't really pick up on. I'm glad you explained that. Because I don't get, I was distracted by the actual party game itself because I couldn't figure out what it was, what the point was. I could say right. this seven minutes in heaven, I guess, but like the way too long to tell you that it's just seven minutes in heaven. Seven minutes to let you know that it's seven minutes in heaven. And the first couple goes in, and they're like, you know, everybody trying to listen what's going on. They come out giggly, <laughs> you figured something went on. 
And then the second couple goes in and a woman comes out bawling in tears, like, what what happened there? And stuff. I said, wish I'd have been a strategy room for that. Then another goes in, and the guy is like basically assaulting this woman, like grabbing everywhere. I'm like, why, why what is this game for? Um, and then another couple comes in and a little again, the weird angles of like making out stuff. Cause like at one point she's like backwards to him, but bent over like a comma or something. And <laughs> and he's like around them. I'm like, what what are they doing? Like, what is this? What's happening here? It was like it's yeah, bizarre. Doggy style. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was like wombat style or no, something. I don't know what it was. <laughs> it was just bizarre. Yeah, but it's during all this going on that it finally make it kind of clear, I think, that the marketing guy or hotel guy uh, and Gabri already know each other. Yes. Because uh, they start having this conversation and, you know. Right. This and, is the point where I thought they might be cops because they have, mm-hmm. they're have they clearly plotting. They know that Marco's on to them and they want that. That's what we get yeah. out of their conversation. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Because right after that, uh, uh, Marco and Nick and Gabri go into the makeout room, I guess we'll call it. Yeah. Uh, with her. Yeah. And which so is weird. Like point where... Anna specifically tells him that he can go in the makeout room with Gabri, which the mm-hmm. party goers are like, what are you doing? And uh-huh. she's like, oh, no, 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 no. I know what's up. Uh, I know all the secrets around here. And she lets him go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they go into the room and they start having a conversation. And Marco is, he's pissed off. Is like, you know, why are you talking to that guy? Who is that guy? I want to, you know, I want to find out everything about him. Why is she like, you know, partner, and she's like, well, "What about you and Anna? You're you're married to her." And he says, "You know, Anna is just vanished from my life. She's non-existent. Let's forget about her." And they kiss, and I'm like, "She's right outside, dude. She's like, actually, just right there." So <laughs> I don't get how you know. Okay, uh, then somebody turns off every light in the place, and is that when you think the evidence stuff was taken, or somebody turns the light off? No, I, that's just sort of the. You know, it's a it's a movie trope. Like if you want to steal the jewelry, you turn off the electricity, and magically no one knows what's going on. (laughs) And uh, so you think like this is a point where something bad is going to happen, but then it's just that uh, every the party's over. (laughs) Like nothing really takes place. Exactly. Marco's Marco leaves the room. He's pissed because the woman he's cheating on with is cheating on him. Right. Yeah, which is not like a bad, uh, that's like a country song, I believe. I'm not sure which one. Um, but yeah, everyone leaves and just leaves him with this pile of furniture and stuff to put back into the room, which I find very rude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, they're just like, whatever, the furniture can just be fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got to go, guys. See you. Have a good time. Uh, but then that's when Anna finds the letter. So maybe the light going off is when someone slipped that letter there. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, because he finds a letter telling us Marco's been doing weird stuff at a hotel. Uh, and they don't show, you know, the audience doesn't get to see the letter, but she called, but she's mad at the person who dropped it off because they didn't sign it. So she calls him a disgusting coward. Right. So you know. presumably, marketing slash hotel guy uh, has tipped off Anna that her husband is cheating. Yeah, exactly. And, and secret letter. So he had the secret letter he dropped off and where she strategically finds it, I guess, just sitting amongst this pile of junk and dishes and food plates and stuff. She managed to find this letter. I'm like, okay, that could happen. Uh, so Marco goes back to the office uh, and apparently it's been a stressful night. So he needs some kind of like stress relief. So he arranged to meet 
one of the, the, the women hookers, prostitutes at the hotel. Uh, then they cut to this whole, this group of people sitting in a bar. And I guess the bar is lined with, uh, you know, hookers, which was the way you did things back in 1960s, I guess. Um, and when a guy, hotel guy comes to one women in the bar, asks if she's available. She said, yeah, sure. Whatever. Tells her to go up to room 724, which is apparently Marco's special room that he always uses. Um, so she goes up there, which is what she does. She's wearing these crazy looking sunglasses, which I wish I could show that. But I'm like, wow, those are awesome glasses there. Uh, and she comes in and is all ready for business. Boom, let's get this done down the table. Marco tells her the money is on the table. Um, it's there. Everything, everybody's down to business. Uh, they cut back to Anna where, like you said, we find a letter. Uh, find out that the letter is accused Marco of being a cheat. And she doesn't want to believe it, but then she's starting to believe it. Uh, back to the hotel, uh, and then, you know, the hook is there, and Barker Beach putting on leather gloves, which is a creepy sign. Right. And you cut the woman, and yeah, she's tied up, which is even more creepy. It's starting to get a little strange here. Uh, and there's all this strange stuff in his suitcase, uh, some wigs, some knives, a wrench, which <laughs> apparently he, <laughs> he, he loves wrenches, that Marco. He's a <laughs> Then he gags her and takes a stick of lipstick and starts mark like drawing red lines all over her. And that's what I figured out. Okay, ah, so he's not really, you know, a murdery guy. He just wants to pretend he's a murdery guy. Or was he practicing? Right. I don't this know. This stress release is to go pretend to murder prostitutes. It's supposed to be life beat his Hassan, but again, whoever wrote this had never participated in any actual activity. <laughs> so they were like, what's life beat his Right. It's when you strike a woman with an open lipstick container. <laughs> that is the best description I've heard of it ever. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> lipstick. Never look at lipstick the same. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. It's basically like a, a, you know, a nice sadist, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So they go back home, and Anna and Gabby are discussing her current problems. She just raised, uh, was raised by the letters and stuff, and they're doing this uh, discussion while they're both wearing in their underwear, which you know. Yeah, I'm you. sure they were going to start making out here, but they are just <laughs> yes. in underwear for no reason. Yep, <laughs> just having a talk, having a discussion like people do. Uh, and that's when they start getting re- revenge plans against Marco. Like, well, I'll fix him. Uh, and they started discussing plans and said, well, I can, you know, imagine what if, uh, what if I dress up like one of the, you know, prostitutes, you know, and Anna's like, imagine that dressing like a prostitute, surprising her husband. And it's like, oh, we know what's going to happen here. Right. So Anna's big plan. This is a terrible plan. (laughs) (laughs) Anna's great big plan is she's going to, she's going to dress like a prostitute. Marco won't recognize her. Somehow the guy, (laughs) the hotel pimp won't realize that she doesn't actually work there. <laughs> and then she's going to show up in the room and Marco's going to be so impressed that she could do this that he's going to like her better. <laughs> that is an insane plan. <laughs> that is a plan. That is, yeah. It, 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 it requires a lot of suspension of knowledge and belief to pull off successfully. The least of which is that he wouldn't recognize his own wife with a wig, but right. yeah, yeah. So but that's, uh, sure. that's very, uh, again, like if you've seen too many Elizabeth Taylor movies or whatever, uh, uh, that's totally what women in their 30s 
according to these 60s movies. Anyone who is over 32, that's what makes them hot, is that they know what prostitutes do. And that was a common theme, too, back then. Like, the, the wife would, like, put on some glasses or a wig and try to trick the husband to see if he's faithful or whatever, and he sure. would not recognize her. But sometimes he did, but he played along with it, and Amazing. she doesn't know he's been... Yeah, that's a sitcom trope, which is a problem. Maybe this is where the sitcoms got it from, this yeah, movie. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, Okay, what else happens? Let's see. Marco goes back home. Um, um, let's see. He. Uh, we don't know what happened to the hooker, but we, we kind of figured it out that he's not really killing anybody, so she's probably back at work. Uh, he's going to the house. He, uh, for some reason, a brief scene just cuts, peeks through the keyhole of Gabby's bedroom and see both Gabby and Anna like sleeping in the bed, which again, to your thing, I don't know if they made out or not. I don't know what happened there. We don't see too much of that scene, but he's just checking out. I suppose that could have been like, oh, everything's okay. But I think it's just um, gratuitous. So we get to see another shot. (laughs) It has a lot of like gratuitous. There's a way to work it in there, but they put it in in the weirdest spots. Like, when they're discussing the whole, uh, uh, here's, when, here's how we're going to set up Mark, we're going to get him. They do it in underwear, like, right. I guess, I mean, sure, why not? You know. One thing I really like about this movie is that they constantly, whenever Gina Lillibrigida is supposed to be naked, they show this particular shot of about two inches of her back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's, Indeed. It's it like, wow, what curves, but it's just the back. <laughs> and Actresses don't work out. Their back just looks like a back. <laughs> that is true. There was a yes. This is a if you're into backs, uh, you may want to watch this movie. <laughs> if backs are your thing, this it's movie's like for you. It's like not low enough for the trip, not high enough. For the trip. She's not looking shoulder blades. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's see a little bit. great. I like that. Like, I wish actresses yeah. could, could still do that because now, <laughs> if you saw the back of an actress who was like making an actual living, she would be so anorexically thin that her shoulder blades could cut your face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they don't make movies like that anymore. No. Uh, <laughs> all right, we got... need to show her back six times. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably was in her contract I'm pretty sure like yeah I demand a back shot uh, <laughs> so we cut like to some reason we cut from that to the chicken farm I think Anna is working near the chicken grinder machine and she's there with this dog and I don't know where the dog came from but it's just a dog they have a dog now. Um, uh, Marco comes in she sees him she doesn't want to talk to him she walks away and goes back through the chicken house and then Marco's standing there like, oh, and he's like, what's going on or whatever. Somehow, but then he looks up and the dog has climbed on top of this pipe way above. I don't know how he got up there. And of course, the pipe is near the chicken machine. I'm like, grinding machine. I'm like, no, that dog is not going to fall. Come on, they can't do that. Even in the 60s, you couldn't have a dog fall into a grinding machine. Well, guess what? Dog yeah. falls into the grinding machine. So we have and to find out that the chicken machine is a murder weapon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And so they used a, a tiny, a tiny dog to show you that they like so, you yeah, don't really they, see the dog. the dog. The dog follows Anna. She's uh, pulling a lever to release the chicken feed to the hundreds of chickens. Who knows where that? She doesn't carry a bag up there and put it in it. But <laughs> but 
but whatever. <laughs> it magically releases the feed to the chickens. And uh, then the dog falls in. And this is my favorite shot of the movie because uh, this they don't have enough money to show you anything remotely like a dog dying. So what <laughs> <Nope>. they do... <laughs> Is they they have a blurry a deliberately blurry close up of the grinder the one part of the machine they can show you, which is just it's like looking at the inside of a popcorn machine. It's just a lever moving with some chicken some seeds in it. That's all it is. Yeah. And they have put a little piece of red cloth. They've like attached it to the side of the of the machine so that you think. It's the dog dying. Yes. (laughs) And then they just hold you on this blurry shot of this cloth inside the seed machine. It gives you noises so they sound like there's grinding happening. And they're like, you're going to figure out that that's a dead dog. (laughs) There's not a lot of... None of that dog whining stuff. Nope, it's just like, he's in, burp, smash. And it's like you turn to a powder, which I don't get that either. But That's what the magic machine does. It does whatever you need. I don't. I don't know how chicken technology works. I'm not in the business. You know, so maybe you can explain it to me. But yeah, the dog so, is gone. So, but the point of this scene is very important. It shows that you can murder someone with the chicken machine, and all it gives Marco the idea that he now we know he has a good reason to murder his wife. He's wanted to. We know that he wants to, and then he keeps trying. And we know that his reasons are so that he can run away with Gabri and take all the money. <laughs> and so now he has motive and means. <laughs> All right. So we go back to the hotel where Anna and Gabby are apparently doing some kind of recon work. They're like looking at the hookers to try to get the look right, apparently. They're scoping them all out and they're like, you know, yeah, it's pretty, they're like checking out hmm, what they wear, what they do. About the, and they're talking about like the look in their eyes. Like you got to get that down and how their job is to, quote, suffer and cause suffering, which I'm not 100% sure that's their job. But, you know, that's what they say. I don't know. Uh, and they talk about how they're going to trick, trick Marco and they're wondering what Anna has to wear. And Gabby helpfully offers the advice that, you know, uh, bra and panties are just as important as what's under them. Like, okay. <laughs> I'm sure one without the other would be fine. Um, and then she tells Anna that she wants to change her with her hands, which goes back to that line earlier I mentioned about uh, how Anna said of Gabby, she's like clay you could mold or something. Like, uh-huh, who's doing the molding now? Boom. So, yeah. yeah. Flip the switch on her. Uh, and we go to Marco. He's at the office now. And of course, there's a giant poster of a chicken at the end of the hall. He's walking down. And he goes to an office of a guy who, to me, looked like Teller from Penn and Teller. Uh, I don't oh, know, yeah. some guy with curly hair. And he has these file folder boxes. You know, like, you, like those boxes you put files in. Like one box holds like maybe a bunch of files and you label them or whatever and stuff. But in his, there are chickens inside of them. Because these chickens have their heads sticking out of these file folder boxes. Which I thought that is the weirdest filing system I've ever seen. So, <laughs> look at that scene again. It's a bunch of file folder boxes with chickens inside. And they're all like clucking around in his office, in the in the building, in the corporate right, headquarters. Right, next to the paneling and the nice white yeah. carpet and a yeah. like cute uh, modern architectures, chairs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the guy in an office with chickens and file box. And one of them is bitten him because his hand's bleeding, which is like, you know, I the guess bite, chickens control. I, the, <laughs> the fake blood on that guy's hand is really terrible. <laughs> 60s blood. You gotta love, it I love 60s look, blood. It's like it the, just looks like he stuck his hand in jelly. 
<laughs> and it's very unrealistic. <laughs> so he's wrapping up his hand, but Marco tells him he need a he needs an extra ticket to like the big Amsterdam Congress, which I guess is the big chicken festival for the European sector. I don't know what. Sure, they're going to go to a big conference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, big chicken conference in Amsterdam. He gets an extra ticket. I'm sure for. So he gets the extra ticket, comes out, and when he comes out, he sees Gabby going by in the car with hotel guy slash Monadiani hotel guy. We're going to stick with that. Yeah. Uh, and he sees him going like, which the timing of that is amazing. Uh, and he runs after them, but he can't catch them because, of course, they're in the car. He's on foot. But then a few minutes later, the guy hotel guy comes back and said he was just taking her shopping. Uh, Marco sees them together. He's upset now, really upset because, like, you know, she's cheating on him while he's cheating on his wife. And he goes back and he burns the ticket to the big chicken conference, which I guess, you know. Right. This is him putting together his alibi. He's still. Oh, he's 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 annoyed that Gabri is cheating on him, but he still thinks if he can kill his wife and get the money in time, he can get Gabri. So if he goes and gets this ticket for his wife, uh, then everyone will think she's in Amsterdam and they'll think that he's there as well. And uh, so they're both supposedly out of town now. They have proof that they're out of town and then he just burns the ticket so that nobody can find that it wasn't used. Uh, because so he's pla- airlines don't keep track of anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, back then you could smoke on a plane too. So yeah. yeah. Um, so you're wait. So he's taking Gabri or, or no? He's taking Anna. He's taking. He's he's telling people that he's going to take his wife on a trip. Right. Uh, but of course he's not going to. He's going to kill her instead. But now he's established to his job that he and his wife will be out of town. Right. Okay. But. If at some point she's dead, how will how does how does that help him explain he had nothing to do oh, with it? Doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Okay. Yeah, that's confusing. That's, okay. He's not trying uh, to get. This is the thing. Like he's not trying to get an alibi that an alibi together that would work in the world. He's trying to get an alibi together that would work in this movie. <laughs> oh, that's very clever. That's good. <laughs> now I'm understanding. All right. So he gets a call from his secretary saying his wife told him he has to come home immediately. No, the secretary transferred the call from his wife to him. Says he has to come home immediately. And then the phone goes dead. Like, oh, what's happening here? Then he cuts to the wife in the big chicken laboratory, the scientist lab inside the big chicken house. And scientist guy is there. And on the table in front of him are these like just big, weird, feathery, pulsating blobs. Uh, they're veiny and they're like just throbbing, like breathing or whatever. And scientist guy tells him, "It's a success." And like, well, what the hell is this? what? What success is this? And they bred these chickens that don't need a lot of feed. Obviously, they don't even have heads. It's just big blobs of meat, uh, and they have feet. So, <laughs> they have feet. so yeah, they have feet because he picks one up and it's like you can see their feet dang, but they don't really have heads as far as I could see. Or if wings, just or wings, which seems real stupid since yep. chicken wings are a thing people eat. <laughs> buffalo wild wings. That's it. I'm just saying. Uh, they didn't call them buffalo feet, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, but yeah, it's like these big blobs, they, and that's what he's been developing with those all those experiments and tubes, and it's these big blobs of, and they're mostly meat. And he says, you know, 
this will minimize the cost of producing them. And then he says, of course, the packaging will need to change. Like, really? You think? (laughs) (laughs) These big big meatballs of chicken. And Marco and me, we're both repulsed by this idea. Uh, This is sort of the thing that we we realize that the marketing ideas are the, uh, this is like the app, app, this is the other side of the, you know, the word I meant, but I can't pronounce it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the marketing that supposedly makes you think the chicken is your friend and it's yeah. a criticism of advertising, but in reality it's just this monstrous gross blob. <laughs> so With a, a smattering of, of feathers. Of this movie is do not <laughs> eat highly processed chicken. <laughs> I, that is what I got as well. And I, and actually they have been doing things recently to increase the size of like chickens today are much larger than chickens of, of I think even fifty or sixty years ago. That's true. They yeah they've modified them so much now. They're actually closer to what this guy was doing. Yeah. Now yeah. they were then. Yeah. But, so uh, Purdue or whoever did this was smart enough to keep the head and lose the feet. Because <laughs> <laughs> if a chicken's sitting down, you can't see his feet anyway. Just you know, for all we know, he may not have feet at all. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, Markle's a pulse. He calls these things monsters. They shouldn't live. He kicks the scientists out. and But Anna thinks it's a great idea. Right. She's we realize that she's the impetus behind. She's also just greedy. Like, they're all greedy. Yep. Uh, and she's <laughs> the whole reason why they bought the machine in the first place and they fired everybody. Like, at her heart, she's just a rich lady and they're all just after money. Yeah. <laughs> and she's a businesswoman tells him, he doesn't look. If you don't like, you know, uh, blob chickens, then you can get out too, or whatever. So he just tells me, get out. He gets out. Like, I'm not being a part of this monstrous experience, which the whole thing really, in the grand scheme of this movie, is doesn't make any sense or do- doesn't have a point because it's not really a factor to anything, as far as I could see. Right. Uh, I think the point of the scene is progressively, like, you start out thinking that Marco is a murderer, and then little by little, you're supposed to identify with him more and more. So at this point, you don't care whether he kills his wife. Because <laughs> <laughs> anybody who will, have a, who, who will have a hand in creating these monstrosities deserves to die. I, I think that's, the, I don't know if that's the point they're trying to make, but they make that point. Yeah. Um, yep. So go back again, quick change again to uh, 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 Anna getting ready to, you know, for a big, you know, rendezvous with the undercover operation with her husband and she's trying on wigs and, and you know, underwear that he won't recognize apparently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you know, he knows that underwear because everybody's seen me in those. Um, would, and she puts on this wig that won't fool. It's like a red wig and no one will be fooled by this. If they've ever seen her face before, this wig will not fool them because A, it doesn't like sit right that much on her head. It just, it looks like it was this place. It's like a hat almost, but you know. <laughs> It's like, okay, you go try that. And she's planning on checking in or whatever. She, uh, then the guy at the hotel calls her and tells her to be in room 247, Marco's room, which how uh, I guess she gave him the number that, hey, I'm, I'm a hooker in town. If anybody needs anything, here's my number. <laughs> was weird. He calls her at home. She gave him the home number. <laughs> Call me at home. <laughs> maybe, she, maybe she was just like hey i'm the wife of the guy who always gets room 724 and i need to impersonate the hooker and meet him there and the guy was like great well, she dragged this poor guy into her stupid plan <laughs> well apparently well, either way she gets a call at home 
to like, you know, at her big house, like, you know, hey, you got a job for you here. I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we cut back again to the ranch. Marco's at the big chicken grinding machine from Belgium. Uh, and he's taking out the screws to one of the gates, uh, which I, right. I was, yeah, I'm assuming he put that up to like somebody will trip and fall, but I don't know who he thinks is going to trip or fall. You'd have to be arranged very carefully, but the gate is somehow, he made it loose and I took the screws out so that if you lean against it, you'll fall into the chicken thing and, right. and he kills so he it. Fall into the grinder like the dog. Yeah. And he kills the chicken balls too. I think he throws the chicken balls in there to the yeah. Oh, the, does the, he? I missed that. Yeah. After he, made, he, after uh, he throws balls in there too. He can't, monsters. He gets rid of them. Yeah. Can't stand that monstrosity. Uh, uh, so he gets back to the office. Oh, he gets, yeah, he does because he gets back and the boss is furious because he found out that he killed the chicken balls. And his old man, oh. you know, hit, hit, hit right. chicken he's guy. Trouble at work. So he's finally yeah. pushed too hard and he's in trouble at work and he's, he's fucking up everywhere. And it's all because he's been trying to kill his wife this whole time, and time is running short now. Exactly. He's pushed up against the wall, and he goes into his office. He needs some relief, so he goes, gets his briefcase of weird stuff. And one of them is he has a tape recorder of a woman screaming or whatever, so he plays that for a little bit. And then he starts thinking about, like, I think they cut a lot of things like eggs, and he has an egg in his office that rolls off the desk and smashes on the floor, which is symbolic of something. The end of the world is ending. Everything is cracking up i yeah. guess i don't know uh then the secretary reminds him oh you have to take his wife to the airport uh which i guess is for the part of the rules for the conference thing i guess sure. yeah oh. this is when okay. he's gonna go do it so he's, he's yeah he's been frustrated everything's falling apart he just wants to cut out and go with gabri and he can do it with a bunch of money if he can just kill his wife before he gets fired for <laughs> killing the chicken balls uh but he has to go he goes back to the the chicken emporium house hotel now this is where i got confused too there's shots of a woman's feet just up on this ledge i didn't know who that was uh like he starts with the grinding machine like G gabri is watching him in there uh -huh. But there's some different person on this lead. You see some woman's shoes. Oh, I know yeah, they're... the woman's shoes. So you don't know. Yeah, they. this was very badly edited. So you... <laughs> no, you're kidding. really <laughs> a woman walking up on the high ledge where he set it up so that if she trips, she falls into the grinder. And he right. thinks that it's his wife because that's her job. She goes and right. pulls the lever every day so that the feed goes into the grinder. That's how the dog died. So he right. thinks that this is how he's going to kill his wife. He's going to make her trip and she's going to fall in right now. Uh, but Gabri is there doing God knows what. And <laughs> he realizes that Gabri sees him and Gabri is upset. And who the fuck is walking? We have no yes. idea. That is my, I was thought I was going crazy. I was Nobody like, knows who that is. That's is he flashing back? Bad. Is he imagining that? Is he, what is happening? Know. Is he a man? No. I don't know. Maybe he imagines it. Maybe. Gabri wears those same shoes later, but she's not walking up there. She's walking around near him. Right. So I thought she was, yeah, exactly. And I thought it was her there. him pull the lever with glee and she screams for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a very confusing scene. You don't I don't know how it 
I don't know. I don't they just know. let that logic same... go at this point. They don't yep. care anymore whether it all fits together. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we cut back to the hotel and Mondriani, Mondiani, Mon, what a hotel guy is uh, getting off the elevator and he's trying to hide his face. But you notice he has two like really big, long scratch, just two, like two fingers just down the side of his face, like not even a whole hand, just like two, two lines. I don't right. know what happened there, but yeah. Got scratched in the face somewhere, but you kind of figure out what happened here. Uh, so Marco goes up to his usual room. Uh, and the whole, he gets it all to go to his room. He's getting all his like Marco stuff together, his special equipment. And he goes in the bathroom to you know prepare for the arrival of the hooker, I guess. And he sees something in the mirror behind him and he looks and it's a body on the floor. And it's Anna with that not at all convincing wig. And I assume he knows that because he like, gets upset, freaks out or whatever. And she's wearing like, you know, hooker clothes, I guess. Uh, he finds her and that that alternates between shots of the chicken grinding machine and her, again, driving home to point really hard <laughs> what's going to happen. They, won't, they don't let you forget what's going to happen here. So, yeah. So this is a mess for Marco because a uh, hotel guy has killed his wife before he could. Yes. And now all of his alibi plans are messed up. Uh, he was planning to have her fall here. I think the thing, I think the, the thing of the, the chicken machine, the Belgian chicken machine, the thing that it does <laughs> is that's so great about it as a weapon is it gets rid of the body. It grinds it to nothing. So no one can find the body. So you can't exactly. prosecute it for murder and you can inherit your money and run away with your girlfriend. But now the the hotel guy who is dating Gabby on the sly has killed his wife in the hotel room where he is constantly pretending to kill people. And so he has been set up. Out. He can't remember all of a sudden whether he killed his wife or not or whether he killed prostitutes or not. He's losing his shit. And then he kind of comes to his senses and it seems like he likes his wife all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, the change no, of a weird change of heart. I didn't really want her to die, which makes no sense. And <laughs> he's very nice to her, and he like it, you know. To, uh, mm -hmm. It's uh, very respectful of her dead body. All of a sudden, <laughs> well, well, yes and no, because like yes, I, no. I noticed when he covered it with a blanket, he just kind of like threw the blanket at her. That's he didn't fair. even like place yeah, it carefully. Oh, he picked it up and he kind of like threw it over, like eh, whatever. Right. Uh, he was doing where he's confused and he's like, ah, oh, whatever, she was going to die anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, the hotel is swarming with police because we assume a uh, hotel guy or Mon, 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 you know, that guy, okay. uh, called them, <laughs> called them. And they, the hotel, the police bust in the hotel like there was someone murdered in room 724. And all like the hookers that are hanging out, because that's what they do, apparently, like when they're off duty or off hour, they're just hanging out there together. That's the and most started... thing that happens in this whole movie. <laughs> And they, yeah, it was actually. Uh, they all started laughing. Uh, what seven twenty four? Uh huh. Then they said we were all murdered in room seven twenty four. Uh -huh. Yeah, that guy's weird. He's strange, but he has he's strange taste. But he's nice. Because they've all been up to so it. Now you know the the whole the whole flat out story. Like Marco's little character traits, we'll call him. Right. Uh, he likes to pretend he's murdering, but they all been murdered. We you know. Yeah, but it's, no, he's a nice guy. He's okay. Thought the cops are like, yeah, it's fine, but let's check it out anyway. So they all <laughs> like that's never been a thing cops did. <laughs> 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 the cops, and, the cops 
Of course, they're just like, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to just check this out. <laughs> We're actually going to do something here. <laughs> um, so they cut this between that. They cut to a shot of Marco. He's taking the body down to the hotel basement, which apparently is like a mile below the earth because he's going down for a long time, like floor after floor after floor. Like, how far is his basement? Uh, meanwhile, the cops get up to the room, 724. And they also let the hookers come in the room. So they're like, this crime scene has been trashed. It's just like, <laughs> it's like hookers and cops everywhere in this room. Uh, and they're walking out. No, no trouble getting about picking up a body and carrying it. One. Getting nope, it out nope. of the hotel without being seen, no problem. <laughs> he got it. He got it out the room, down the hall, into the elevator, all the way down to the basement. Not one person saw. Yeah. So, but- yeah. So, yeah, well, they're standing in this trash crime scene and the hotel guy told the cops that the room is rented to the same guy all the time. It's like for months or whatever. So obviously it's going to be easy to find him. So they cut to Marco. He's driving somewhere and he has, I'm assuming Adam's body in the back because he keeps looking at the back seat like it's going to jump up or something. I'm like, no, it's still back there, dude. Don't worry about it. Just drive. Um then hotel guy meets up with Gabby and she wants to know if the plan was a success and he tells her the whole thing and you now he laid out the whole plan why the cops have to accuse Mark of the murder because this and that and everything is set up or whatever. And it's weird in this scene that while he's uh talking to her, she's like sitting on the floor and he's like walking around in circles telling the story and she's swiveling around on her butt listening to him the whole time. Like, why is she just <laughs> I'm just sitting in a chair? Like, why are you have to spin yourself around on your butt, which to hear this story, but that was weird. Um, so apparently, and they lay out the plan. The plan was to, to for them, her and Hotel, Anna and Hotel, I'm Gabriel and Hotel guy, to get rid of everybody and inherit everything. And I'm not sure how she inherits everything because she get like the chicken things that belong to the company or that's theirs. Right. So they, here, they're, they knew Marco was going to kill his wife and then they're going to make sure he gets arrested for killing his wife and then she will inherit the very lucrative chicken farm. <laughs> so it's their chicken farm, but they, the cup, the corporation, I, I got to look at the books on that one. I got to figure out how the corporation owns, because they were doing experiments for the corporation. I have to know. I have to know. It's completely nonsensical. It makes no sense at all. It's just a convenient, like whenever they need there to be offices and lots of people, it's corporate. And whenever, whenever they need it to just be money, it's <laughs> It's and all very clear. Yeah. That's the dynasty vibes right there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Marco comes back home with Anna's body that he's carried throughout the hotel, down the elevator, out to the parking lot, underground parking lot, back, yeah, into the car. And he takes her into the chicken house, and chicken's are going nuts because they like him. Right, because they like her. (laughs) They've had no emotional reactions during this entire movie. There's been no sense that the chickens have a sense of what's happening. But now, all of a sudden, the woman who's been feeding them is there dead, and they know. <laughs> they are pissed. They are pissed chickens. Uh, so he's going to figure, well, I'm going to, like, grind her body up because he, I guess he just knows that, like, well, I have no alibi. Uh, she's in my room. Everybody knows. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure he could have thought about it. Well, this is his wife. I guess he couldn't have got away with it. Um, so he's, like, going to grind her up in the Belgian chicken grinder machine. Uh, and he's, you know, getting, preparing her there, which he takes the time to remove her bracelet, which I thought, well, why do you care? 
but sure, take that off. Uh, but then he looks at the bracelet, and then he remembers through the use of flashbacks and tells us that he saw the same bracelet on the hotel guy. Yeah. Which is why, why would the hotel guy take off his bracelet and put it on her? I don't, unla- so I, it's Martha some connection. Find out that he's the one who killed the wife. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he'll go to jail with that thought on his side. Yeah. But it doesn't make it, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Why would you even implicate yourself even in the, even in no, the slightest? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, apparently, no. yeah. You could, you could pause it. She like, wanted she's holding the bracelet because that's who killed her and she wants right someone to find out who killed her but like it's just a terribly written detail yeah. i wasn't i wasn't sure if she was holding the bracelet or wearing the bracelet. she was wearing it that he put it on holding it but oh okay maybe, okay who knows well she might yeah because she did scratch his face so maybe right. she scratched him and stole his bracelet at the same time thing so anyway he marco realizes where he saw this which why would he remember a guy's bracelet, but whatever. Uh, oh, it's a really it's, ugly bracelet. <laughs> yes, it, it's very. Um, I mean, I'm not saying people can wear whatever they want, but it's, it's very dag- it's, it's, bracelet, and it's especially it's, egregious <laughs> for like a young marketing director. It's very dangly. I'll say it's like a charm bracelet almost. <laughs> so he's wearing a charm bracelet. Um, so Marco is so stunned by finding his information out that he gets dizzy in the head, and guess what happens? <gasps> He falls into the Belgian chicken grinding oh, machine, no. <laughs> where he's immediately pulverized into this little fine, misty powder, granular stuff or whatever. Right, and the and best he thing goes, is, he his his powdered form is now instantly, magically <laughs> shunted out to the thousands of chickens who start eating it. <laughs> he goes through the tube. He he looks no different than any other chicken feed, apparently. Which maybe that's another statement they're trying yeah, to make. Subtle didn't statement. Bother. They could have got red chicken feed. Come on, <laughs> that wouldn't nope, have been that looks, hard. And would have make, make sense so much more. Mm, nope. Now we know the human body looks pretty much like chicken chow. So yeah, that's it. And then and then like you said, the chickens start pecking away at him, and they're like eating eating up Marco. Yeah, and so they get in all of a sudden. Gabby and hotel guy, they hear all this commotion. They go out to the chicken house, and she sees Anna's body lying on the ramp next to the grinder. Uh, then the cops show up, which is really fast. Uh, they got there really quick. Um, they show up at the chicken lab, and they find Gabby and Mondiani, hotel guy, and they grab them. Anna's body. Yep, laid over her body, and they put two and two together. That fact, oh, you probably killed her, or they you're probably involved in it. They're like, they ask the, the couple... Uh, hotel guy and Gabri, the cops are like, hey, where's the head of the household? We're looking for him because we think he murdered someone. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is the woman he supposedly murdered, but you're here. We'll just arrest you. <laughs> Even though we have clear evidence of her being in the room with this the, the other just, guy generally rents. just let the guy go like that. It's really funny. Like, we changed our minds. You're the suspects now because yeah, you're standing you're close here, to her. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> And they started looking for Marco, which are they walking around the chicken house looking for Marco or somebody. And the funny thing, I said, one of the cops, a couple of cops look inside the chicken cages. Like he could shrink himself down tiny enough to be inside those. Like, why are you looking in there? (laughs) (laughs) And they don't find him. But But they don't find him. But there's this long shot of the chicken trough and they start pecking away. And the audience, you know what's happening there. They they eat him up quick so that he can be. Yeah. 
because he looks just like chicken feet now. He's brown and granular. Uh, I don't know how that happened. But, uh, he must have been, you know, they had some like dehydrated or something. So in the end, uh, I guess the corporation got the farm. <laughs> but a cop, last scenes, this cop who's like looking for him, he sees an egg and he just picks up an egg, cracks it, and oh, just yeah. drinks the in- drinks the inside of it. Just like gloops down a raw egg. Like, okay, uh, Sylvester Stallone and Rocky, whatever, you know, whatever. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> a well-made movie. You I thought he was looking. Thought... Oh, how creepy it is that we eat the things that were alive when we eat eggs. But none of that is true. So it's just charming to watch this guy eat. That's <laughs> <laughs> a lad scene. He just eats a eats an egg, which you know. And I thought he was. Gonna, I thought he was actually going to look for Marco inside. Like, is he going to crack his egg open and like see if he's in there? <laughs> Uh, nope, he downs the egg, and that's the end of the movie, uh, and that was Death Laid an Egg, um, <laughs> which uh, this movie kind of did. I didn't hate it, but uh, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I watched it. It was good. It was fine. I liked it. it I was, think there's some very yeah. charming still shots that came out of this movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it doesn't have a lot of plot, but it does have a lot of 60s vibes. And, oh, yeah. Uh, the actors are fantastic. They do mm-hmm. the things for which they are famous perfectly. And it's kind of great to watch them do it in a framework that doesn't quite fit together. Because you can yeah. see very easily how people fit together movies when one piece yeah. just doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the shots of uh, the, you know, the shots of the male lead, like squinting his eyes are perfect. And they could be in any <laughs> blockbuster. Uh, but then all of a sudden there are these terrible shots of like blurry dead dog that isn't clearly isn't there. <laughs> and there's a lot of technical uh, questions, not technical from a movie standpoint, just from like a, I guess, logic, real life standpoint. Like oh, yeah. how does this, yeah, how does this grinding machine yeah, definitely not, you are does it grind muscle? <laughs> writing a screenplay right now and you're like, how is my movie ever going to get made? How is anybody ever going to like this? realize that whoever wrote this had no idea what they were doing, couldn't put two and two together at all, and their movie got made beautifully. (laughs) (laughs) Granted, it's 68, so they were looking for probably a lot less movies being made then. So your chances are better if you could go back in time to 1968. You'll get your movie done. That's it. Uh, Okay, well, let me see. Let's credit. Did you know that this movie, well, let's say you said it was made in, it came out in 68, 1968, January 9th, what a way to begin the year. Uh, uh, it's been it was distributed under other titles, and uh, other titles it was distributed under uh, internationally was a curious way to love. That's true. Uh, Death trap, which that's so vague, and a very apt title, plucked. It that's was called. Some of the, <laughs> that's good. Um, the movie's taglines were: uh, "See them tear each other apart, <laughs> then see what then see what they do with the pieces," like, which oh. is. <laughs> uh, uh, and the other tag, the other tagline was, "We are not permitted to even hint at what happens, but it's more than murder," which is a horrible tagline too. It's so it's much like, less. <laughs> it's, uh, and there's not a lot of reviews of it. Um, something the monthly film bulletin said it was a genuine curiosity, which yeah, 
with this bizarre eroticism. Yes. That's definitely true. <laughs> and they concluded it was not uninteresting, but unfortunately has the effect of giving some of the digressions rather more weight than the control narrative, which yeah. I totally agree with. That is yeah, you have right. to watch this movie a bunch of times and be really interested in how cinematography makes movies put together in order for it yep. to make sense. Otherwise, you're just going to be like, why is that happening? Yep, exactly. Uh, in a book, The History of Italian Cinema, it's considered... Considered the film to be, they considered the film to be quote worth remembering, which is like the lowest of high praise. Like, <laughs> this this is a movie worth remembering. <laughs> like, uh, what else? So the stars of the movie, you see, a Gina Lola Bridger. She was named the most beautiful woman in the world in 1955. Which okay, uh, did a ton of Italian movies, including one with the with the title "Love I Haven't," haven't, but but. <laughs> That's the name of the movie. <laughs> she was at a hunchback at Notre Dame. Uh, she was in an episode of Laughing in 1969. There you go. She was on Falcon Crest, going back to your uh, nighttime yeah. soap opera yeah, thing. Yeah, she yeah. was on a couple of Falcon Crest. And she was on a special two-part episode of The Love Boat, a Christmas special in 1986. I probably saw that when it came out. I, I probably did, too. Well, no, I, yeah, I probably did. I hate The Love Boat, but I watched it. There was nothing else on uh, and I think the last movie she did, according to her, her IMDb thing, is some movie called Box Office 3D, the filmiest of films, Oof. which is like, yeah, it's like one of those like, you know, like scary movie thing where they take a bunch of other movies and do parodies of them and stuff in the same movie. It's like that. So it wasn't like, it's not her best way to finish up her movie career, but you know, hey. Um, and she also was a photographer and had a book of photos published in 1973. So. There you go. She, she had more going than just walking yeah. around in underwear wearing bad wigs. <laughs> yeah, no, she's sharp and very funny, and she's a good actress. Yep, there you go. Uh, what's the guy? Uh, 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 Marco Jean-Louis Trintignant. I don't know how to say yeah. his name. That's four years of high school French talking right there. Uh, that was close. To, um, but yeah, you mentioned he was Yeah, he was in like And God Created Woman. He was in A Man and a Woman. A lot of movies with woman in the title. Um, He's been in over 100 movies, and they said he had a special talent for dark characters like murderers or jealous husbands, which he was both. Yeah. Uh, in this movie, movie, pretty much. In fact, yeah. he's in a movie opposite uh, Klaus Kinski, a spaghetti western directed by Corbucci called The Great Silence. And uh, he's nearly unrecognizable because he has a mustache. Uh, but <laughs> basically, he's really good at just not making his face move and it looks mysterious, which is a huge requirement for male lead. Uh, he said he was offered, say he didn't accept the leading role in Last Tango in Paris because he didn't like the numerous nude scenes. That, uh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he was in two... Uh, Two women he was in a movie. It's a weird trivia thing. Uh, Anouk Amy and Emmanuel Riva. They both got Oscar nominations for Best Actress, playing in opposite him in a movie. And both of the characters were named Anne. Oh, okay. And here, and here he is with somebody playing an Anna. So if she had changed her name, she might have been nominated. They had to change her name could slightly. Have done could have done it. it. Just one letter away from getting an Oscar nomination. Nice. Um, who else? The woman who's a Gabri. What's the name again? Candy. Uh, it, yeah, Candy. Well, that's her name. Ewa Aulin. Aulin. 
Yeah. Ewa Owlin. She was in, well, you said Candy, which had like a million people in there who were famous, but the movie sucked. I remember seeing it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it yeah, Richard Burton, Ringo Starr, Marlon Brando, James Coburn, Walter Matthau, and Sugar Ray Robinson were in it. Much she famous people in that movie stink. She movie with Klaus Kinski. Oh, she did? Yeah, wow, she, uh, connection. Death Smiles at a Murder has Klaus Kinski in it. Wow. You, you, are you a Klaus Kinski head? Or sure. Was, <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I like him too. I, I, I've seen a couple of movies he's been in. Very good. She was she was also in an episode of Monty Python's Flying Circus playing harassed woman. Oh, I go. think I remember that scene. Yep. And she was produced and starred in a movie called Microscopic Microscopic Liquid Subway to Oblivion in 1970. It was about drug use on campus. No, so that might I'm about to add the title alone. I'm going to add that to the list. Microscopic <laughs> Liquid Subway to Oblivion. Wow. Nice. Yeah, and hotel guy was Jean Sobieski. He is the father of uh, Lily Sobieski. I've heard of her actually. Uh, she was in Never Been Kissed with uh, Drew Barrymore. She had Public Enemies with Johnny Depp, and she was on a couple episodes of The Good Wife, which I've never seen and never intend to. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's a good series. It's not my cup of tea. I don't, uh, I don't like it. I don't think the people who listen uh, to this podcast are like, "Oh my God, you dissed The Good Wife." <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> don't don't fuck with the good wife, man. What's wrong with you? Um, yeah, you never know. Uh, all right. Um, question. Okay. Now, part I'm trying to make it regular. The what's the strangest part of the strange movie? Do you? Uh, to me, the strangest part is the the dog dying. <laughs> The, the the missing dog gore is the weirdest thing about this movie. It's it didn't so, even. It should have been something there. Yeah. Like it just begs. It wouldn't have been that hard. It wouldn't have cost that much money. All they had to do, like whatever, maybe they didn't have permission to throw paint in this machine, uh, but it wouldn't have been that hard to like. Even if they had just put a red tint on the film, it would have made more sense. <laughs> That is true. If you're going to go through the trouble of killing a dog, you might as well show it. Yeah. In such a gruesome manner, you might as well show like something, some blood, some, something. you know, show me a mangled dog collar, like to show me that, oh yeah, that dog's dead. Yeah. 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 So this yeah. movie is mostly strange just because it's unclear. It's very fun though. Even when you don't know what's happening or what the point of the scene is, there's mm -hmm. people running around who are very pretty and pretty clothes and, and like ridiculous <laughs> buildings and ridiculous art. Uh, so there's a lot of good shots. That's it. Uh, mine was the chicken balls. Um, I don't know why they included that. Uh, yeah, they because I, I, I get what they were trying to say. Like it was it was a part of the story, but it it was went off in a direction that really had no real bearing on anything. It was just weird, like these big chicken blobs with feet that they developed in a lab. And that's so how much this my movie for you. What Thing in real life do you think they used to make those blobs quiver? Do you think there was a guy under the table like tapping on the, <laughs> the tray? <laughs> I want to say that, uh, let's see, the French are famous for creating, well not creating mime, but not a French, but I believe there was some sort of mime, mime involved. I don't know how yet. I'm figuring it out. <laughs> There was some sort of mi miming going on with that. It was either like 
uh, uh, some kind of like the guy with his hands was manipulating the chicken or so I'm, I'm sure it was. Or it could have been like a very small mime uh, dressed up like a chicken ball. I don't know. <laughs> some kid. <laughs> it got a couple of mime kids. In the, but yeah, it was the strangest part of this movie. Um, on a scale of one to five. How strange? One being a chicken that plays tic-tac-toe and five being uh, a chicken with a top hat uh, driving uh, driving around town. How strange is this movie? Okay. So, you pr- you might know the Werner Herzog movie Strosek ends mm-hmm. with this uh, uh, very existential chicken dance. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it just happens that way. It's a great movie. It's very much worth seeing. It's beautiful. It's very sad. Uh, but it ends on this, like, almost uplifting moment, about as uplifting as Herzog's going to get, <laughs> where you go to an abandoned um, uh, amusement park, kind of, and there's a ski lift, and there's a little place where a chicken dances <laughs> and that's the, the end is that you watch the whole chicken dance while you listen to uh blues harmonica and this movie is not as meaningful as that moment <laughs> but it is the second best chicken themed movie thing you could see mm-hmm I suppose you're right. I, I I put this as not the strangest movie I saw, so it'd probably be like at a oh, three, one to five scale. It's not the strangest, even the strangest chicken thing I've seen. Uh, I've seen stranger chicken related uh, entertainment fair, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, well, there's this, uh, actually, not too long ago, there's this thing on Netflix, The Battle of Buster Scrubs. And it was chicken didn't do anything weird, but it's this guy who, uh, um, this young guy who didn't have arms or legs, uh, but he could, but he was a great actor. He could recite like the Shakespeare lines. So, man, oh, right. he's enthralling, yeah, he's enthralling crowds. And this other guy start picking him up and he was like his quote unquote manager. And he'd take him around and saw him. But then one day the guy discovered a chicken that could like win at like tic-tac-toe or something. Yes. And so he just he opted for the chicken and he ended up throwing the guy over a bridge. Spoiler alert, he ends up getting rid of the guy and keeping the chicken. So right. yeah, it was, right. that was the strange thing I saw. But this is like a three. It was a strange movie. Uh and the chicken blobs uh saved it. So yeah. Alright. So anyway, and wrap it up. Good movie. Um Thanks for doing this. Next. Oh, I'm going to pick the next one. I already oh, have it in mind. What's the next movie going to be? Uh, the next one is going to be uh, a movie that uh, will be hard to understand. Hold on. I'm going to look something up here. Uh, it will be the movie uh, I'm going to do, uh, Incubus. Ooh. I don't, I don't mean the 1980s movie Incubus or no, the I 2000s movie Incubus. I don't mean the band Incubus. I mean the movie Incubus. I mean, which is you the... mean the Shatner movie Incubus. <laughs> yeah, what you, it's available on YouTube, so we can watch it there for free. Um, but yeah, I want to do that because it's the only movie uh, in length. Well, no, one of two movies 
in Esperanto. Esperanto. <laughs> if you know what Esperanto is, you can look it up and try to figure it out. But I'm going to brush and go. I'm going to hang up right now and go listen to my, uh, go practice my Esperanto. I used to uh, have so on my LinkedIn that I spoke Esperanto <laughs> as a joke. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> and, and people called you out on it? And one person one time was like, do you really speak Esperanto? And I was like, no, but I've seen Incubus. <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. You're hired. Uh, <laughs> Hey. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot uh, for doing this. Thank and, you. This was really fun, Ken. It's fun. We'll do this uh, next time. And uh, that's it. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye.